0: You right show! You have all made it through the damn You have all made it, made it made. Right Coming right right to you from the X Access, it's John of All Trades with your host, John X. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the John of All Trades Podcast, episode 289. Your host, John X thanks for joining us. Glad to have you back once again. And it's a solo episode. That's right. I'm by myself. I'm not entirely by myself. I have a sleeping kitty right here next to me, the worst coworker ever. If you follow me on Instagram, you'll probably see that occasionally I will post photos of me with my guests, but more often than not, it's just my cats. So yes, there is more than one. Some people ask that. They'll be like, these look like different cats. They are. I have two. They're both just get called the worst co-worker ever because depending on the day, it is certainly one of them. What are their names you might be asking? Then again, you might not. I don't care. This is my show. And I'm not going to give you their real names. One of them I call butt for. After that joke from the South Park movie. What's a butt for? For pooping, silly. <sighs> As he takes a nice long drag off of his cigarette. The other one I call bum hug. So. That's all the attention these meowing jerk faces are due. This was supposed to be a mailbag episode, but I put the call out, only got one question, which is weird because normally I get a deluge of questions and I get plenty of cool stuff to pick from. This time, for whatever reason, everyone's busy doing something else. I don't fault you for that. I don't care. But in the spirit of that, I will answer this question. It comes from my friend JT. And it says, John, of all the people you've interviewed for John of All Trades, what's the one person whose job you would absolutely hate to do? Even if, of course, the person was great. Now, there's a number of ways to answer this. And thank you for the question, JT. Much appreciated. But of all the jobs that I've featured on this show, the one I would like to do least are a couple that I've already had. So that's one way of answering this question. One, I don't want to go back to that corporate job ever again. That sounds like just about the worst thing that I could ever think of. Going back to that environment with those people, granted, some great people there, some lovely people, some others I'm not so fond of, and I hope I never, ever see again. So that's one answer. Secondly, I'd never want to work for that energy drink again. That energy drink is still around, improbably, because when I went there, it seemed to be built on a foundation of agrotestosterone and complete bullshit. Now, the product itself was good. I had no problem with the product. The product actually tasted pretty good. There were some variants in the flavors, and those were great. But run by a complete lunatic and someone I hope I literally never cross paths with again. And I'd be fearful about saying something about him here. But if he ever listened to this, I would die of shock on the spot. I think I said this in the episode. I can't remember if I did or not. But he was someone to access the internet, would open his email program, type in www.google.com into the body of an email. That link would go live. He'd click it and end up on the internet that way. It was remarkable. And by the way, this happened in the year 2010. So granted, that's like 11 years ago. That feels like a long time ago. But in terms of technology... Holy shit, dude. Figure out how to use your fucking computer. Now, there's another way of answering this question. And that is, I wouldn't want to do any job where I'm in charge of a lot of people. Or I'm in charge of building an empire. Those are two things I'm just not particularly interested in, in or wired for. And I'll give you a perfect example of this. Every morning when I take my kids to school. Every morning. I feel like I am arguing with one of them about something stupid. And it takes me a while to come down and recover from that. When you manage people, and I've heard this on this show so many times, no matter what kind of business you're in, if you have other people working for you, you are in the business of managing people. Now, for instance, this morning, my youngest daughter, wanted to wear her rain boots i said that's fine i don't care if you wear your rain boots or not it's going to be a nice day it's not going to rain but these are new if you want to wear them that's great but you got to go put some socks on the reason for this is they're rubber right they're rain boots you've seen them they're little galoshes wearing bare feet in that is a going to make your feet sweaty b going to make the thing stink and c possibly rub you raw and give you blisters All three bad outcomes in terms of optimal shoe wearing. So you can either go upstairs and get some socks and then wear your rain boots. Or you can pick a different pair of shoes that you don't need socks for. Both of these options were unsatisfactory to her. And we had to go for minutes on end back and forth about this. I tried to shut the conversation down so many times. And I can't force shoes on the child's feet. That's just not how it works. So I'm cajoling her to try and make a decision, neither of which she wants to do. And then when we got to school, we're standing in line so I can check her in. And she says, Dad, why are we always late? Why don't I have time to play? These other kids seem to have time to play. And I said, sweetie, you spent 10 minutes this morning with me arguing about whether or not to wear socks, and your rain boots. If you don't do that, we'll have more time. You can get here earlier, and you can go play. How's that sound? Tomorrow will be Groundhog Day. We will repeat the cycle over again. This frustrates me intensely, and I basically have never had any desire to tell someone else what to do. On the flip side of that, I kind of don't like when people tell me what to do. Just because, I mean, I'm a pissy only child. I had a lot of autonomy growing up, Um, my parents were active and involved in my life, but gave me a lot of space, which is kind of weird in retrospect. I mean, it was a different time. It was the eighties. Um, but I had a lot of time to kind of figure it out and do my own thing. And now I kind of like that. Mostly what I want to do is do what I'm good at, look for opportunities to challenge myself and then just be left the hell alone. Let me figure out everything else. I will take care of it. I am good at being self-motivated. I am good at assigning myself tasks. I'm good at getting things done. I don't need someone necessarily telling me what to do. I can handle it. I got it. When you're building an empire or when you are in charge of a lot of people, you got people tugging at your sleeve all the time. They need your attention. Your time is no longer yours. Time is literally the only thing that is finite on this earth. You can always get more fit. You can always make more money. You can always acquire more things, I guess, if you want to. Time, that's the limited quantity. That's the thing that I value most. The fact that in a lot of ways, I have autonomy over my time. Man, that's freedom, dude. I like that. That's what I want. But I'm going to take this in yet a third direction. And it's kind of an unconventional one. So JT, this has been what? How many minutes until I've fully answered this question? But the job I would least like to do is my friend Tucker Gumber. He was the festival guy for a number of years. And basically, he was going to festivals. He was trying to develop an app. He was trying to optimize the festival experience. So there's a social media component. There's a place where you can hear the bands that you're going to see before you see them. You can rate them. Like It was a whole involved deal. But he was going to like, Christ, I don't know, 20 to 30 festivals a year. Dude, I'm at an age now where I don't ever have to go to a music festival if I don't want to. And chances are excellent, I don't want to. I miss live music more than just about anything else out there. This pandemic has taken so much from us. But the thing I miss most is being in a crowd, singing along with a bunch of strangers to a band that I love. No question, I love that. I don't want to do that for three fucking days straight. Okay, I don't want to go somewhere remote, park my car, bring a goddamn tent, and be with all of these people for that much time. That sounds like a fucking nightmare. Also, on a larger point, and this is more important than that, that's just details. But more important than that, and you learn this if you work in cool industries, I don't want to confuse my work time with my passion-free enjoyment time. That sounds weird the way I did that passion slash free slash enjoyment time. Because when you start confusing those two things, you begin to resent where you are and what you're doing. Because all of a sudden this thing you used to do for fun is now a job and it comes with obligation. You're never going to enjoy yourself fully when you are trying to monetize that, which you love. Now it can be done and you can do it in fun ways. But, man, I thought I wanted to work in baseball for a long time. I talk to people who work in baseball. You know when they're working? During fucking baseball games. That's when you have to do your job. When do baseball games happen? They happen evenings. <laughs> so what time does an average Rockies game start? Let's just use the hometown team here. Seven? So the game goes 10, 10.30? You're getting home 11, 1130. Take some time to wind down after work. You're not going to bed till after midnight. Uh, and then what else? Weekends. So Sunday afternoon games. That's a fun day, right? When you're usually hanging out, gearing up for the week. But nope, you're working again all afternoon, 1 o'clock till 4, 430 when the game ends. Then maybe you have a little time. You get to wake up on Monday. Oh boy. Not optimal working hours. So. Anytime you were trying to turn something that you love into a career, there's that pitfall. Ask people who work in breweries. Ask people who work in sports, in concerts. You're working weird hours. And then when you do have free time, what's everyone else doing? They're at their fucking office job, right? They got obligations of their own. So you end up alone kind of a lot when you're working that kind of weird schedule. This is also something I learned while working at that energy drink. Sometimes I would have to go do events like man this booth and hand out free cans of energy drink and shit. And you're just watching these people walk by having a great time because they're on their leisure time. No, no, you're there to work. That sucks. So my answer, I would never want to be the festival guy for a number of reasons. Now, that's the only question I got. So I'm happy to answer that. But couple other things on my mind. As long as we're here, as long as you're here, you probably have more commute on your way to work or your way home from work. It's a pandemic, so maybe not. Maybe you're working out. Maybe you're walking the dog. Maybe you just like the sound of my voice. I don't know. But what's been on my mind lately is conspiracy theorists. And I fucking hate conspiracy theorists. I hate them. Literally. I don't hate the people who are conspiracy theorists, but I hate the impulse that leads to conspiracy theories. Because at its heart, do you know what it is? It is arrogance. It is just raw, uncut arrogance. It's basically looking at the world and saying, okay, here's Occam's razor. Here is the least complicated solution, which therefore is also the most likely. I'm going to look at all this evidence. I'm going to hear everyone who has dedicated their lives in accumulating expertise in whatever it is I'm looking at, and I'm going to say, nope, you know what? Fuck that, fuck you, I know better. It's the arrogance of it that makes me crazy. It's that posture that says, I know better than you. And you know what it is? It's a different version of the nanny state. And I don't want to get into a whole political talk here. I don't want to do anything like that. I'm not looking to cast aspersions on one side or the other, but as I just articulated in terms of jobs, I do and don't want to do getting told what to do or how to behave is something that just, mm, wow, rubs against me like a burlap sack. I have no interest in telling people what to do, even though I have two tiny people Who live here and I have to tell them what to do constantly you know and that's dumb shit that's simple stuff like please wear socks if you're going to wear your rain boots or yes you need to brush your teeth every night that's fine okay I signed up for that I knew what I was doing I I'm not thrilled about being an authority figure but on the other hand like I'm not going to not do it I'm not going to be derelict in my approach to that but when it comes to other adults I don't like it when people feel compelled to tell other people how to live. Now, you can give advice. There can be rules. There can be regulations. I'm not like one of these wingnut libertarian fucking idiots who's like, I don't think we should have speed limits. I don't think you should tell people to wear seatbelts. Helmet laws are a bad idea. No, we are trying to have a society here. Some of these things are really, really useful. In fact, most of them are actually pretty useful because it, it helps us get along with each other. And I'm getting off track here, but my point is this. When you look at all of the info out there, when you look at all of the evidence, when you look at what the accumulated expertise is generally saying, yeah, you can niggle with it a little bit. You can kind of poke at it and snip at it and go, all right, well, this part feels off to me. I don't accept the entirety of the hegemony here. But when you wholesale say Something like, I'm not getting the vaccine because X. Holy shit, man. Come on. Or hey, you know what? This thing failed 50 times in court, 50 times plus in court. But I still think the election was stolen. Why? What are you going off of? What piece of this, what What made you go, you know what? Here's all the evidence. Here's the mountain of it. And I'm going to look over here, and maybe here's one asshole in his truck with a fucking Van Dyke ranting into a can- like his iPhone camera, talking about whatever the fuck God knows, and saying, you know what? I think this guy has a point. That is fucking arrogance, and it makes me insane. And when the anger subsides, when the frustration subsides at conspiracy theorists, what I'm left with is sadness. Sadness that whatever you're doing in life, you feel that you have so little agency to change your situation that the only answer is all of these forces beyond my control are conspiring against me. Then man, you are in a very tough place and I feel for you. Or if you say, that, that, hey, I believe in this conspiracy theory, conspiracy theory for this reason. What you are saying is, man, I recognize that I feel like my opinion is not valued. And that sucks, man. That is a tough place to be. Because if you've latched on to some wingnut conspiracy theory, whether you think the JFK assassination was a big hoax or that we never landed on the moon Or that the government is filling planes that fly super high in the sky to either, uh, I don't know, do mind control or weather control or whatever the reason of the day is. You are saying that it makes me sad that I do not feel valued or I am sad that I feel like I don't have agency to change the world. And man, I think we've all felt that to one extent or another. Believing in a conspiracy theory, cons- Why can't I say this today? You can tell I don't edit these solo episodes. If you've gotten to the point of believing a conspiracy theory, you have taken this to its logical yet absurd extreme. To its final resting place, to its conclusion, which says that, hey, you know what? Everything here that I should have faith in, everything that I believe in, Is wrong. So I'm going to believe this and carve out my own little space where I believe that I'm right. And anything you tell me cannot penetrate this force field because I'm in a sad place. I don't feel valued. And man, I don't know how we overcome that necessarily. Because don't get me wrong. I mean, I grew up loving punk rock and I'm not as nihilistic as a lot of some of the punk rock is in wanting to completely blow up the system and start over. I think that's a mistake too, but it feels unnatural for me to defend the system, but I feel compelled to do that because over the last how many years we've lost faith in each other and we have the inability to listen to each other. And that just frustrates the hell out of me. I can't remember where I've seen this. I've seen it a few times lately, but It's something to the effect of it's an enlightened mind that can entertain a thought without adopting it. So man, just seeing the world from someone else's perspective. And I'm trying to do that with conspiracy theorists. And it's frustrating to me because, A, we're not done with this global health pandemic yet. And B, the warfare, the absolute bitter trench warfare that happens in our political system right now feels in many ways intractable. And there's got to be a bridge to where we can talk to each other again. And I don't know exactly what that is. But I can tell you, I'm open to it. I'm looking for it. And I hope wherever you are, you're doing the same thing. So, I don't know, man. Conspiracy theorists, they bother me. And I spend more time thinking about it than I should. I even wrote a whole piece that will never see the light of day. I showed it to a couple of people. I wrote it stream of consciousness. It's bad. It's called fuck your conspiracy theory. And it's mostly just mean spirited. So I am trying to overcome my own worst impulses. And if we're all doing that, then if we can even recognize what our own worst impulses is are, then I don't know. We're doing good work and I'm hopeful. I'm full of hope. Another thing I wanted to talk about was a couple of months ago, it was like in April, I did an episode of this show with Felicia Hernandez, who's the head trainer at Orange Theory Fitness Lowry. And I continued to go to Orange Theory. I continue to really enjoy it. I had a bad workout yesterday. I just felt like I was breathing diesel fuel all workout. I don't know why, but I just like couldn't catch my breath. It was a tough workout. And I was trying to think about orange theory. I'm like, who wouldn't enjoy this as I'm just heaving and covered in sweat and I'm sore all the time. Like a new part of my body is just sore all the time. Like I'm working all these muscles. And I say that as the highest praise because it's great. It's really good for you. It's it's game changing for me in terms of my health. But I realized and I realized this after talking to my friend Steven, I'm highly, highly competitive but in a very specific way in that I love competing. I love getting out there. I love doing my best. I love putting myself out there, but I really don't give a shit about winning, which I realize puts me at odds with almost everyone else who classifies themselves as highly competitive. A lot of people you hear about it. Do they like winning or do they hate to lose? And most like sociopathically competitive people like Michael Jordan fucking hate To lose they hate it with every fiber of their being they hate it okay losing who gives a fuck man okay just move on go to the next one like did you do your best did you compete at the highest level were you true to yourself man then that's successful if you win fucking bonus right that's phenomenal if you at some point are the best at something amongst some subset of people that's a great feeling. I will never deny that. But it's not the end-all be-all for me. I really don't give a shit. Um, it, <laughs> It's, I don't know. It's one of those quirky things. And I never thought about it in that way until my friend Steven did that because we were talking about Orange Theory. He goes, oh, man, you can earn like points or whatever. I go, well, yeah, they're splat points or just however many minutes you're in the orange and red zones, which are the two highest heart rate zones. To me, that signifies that I am you know, pushing myself and, and trying really hard and getting the most out of this workout that I possibly can that I pay a lot of money for. And he goes, see, if I have something like that, then that's great. I get to compete against myself. He's like, that's why I liked swimming. Swimming is great because ultimately you're competing against yourself. Golf is the same way. Uh, and I think this speaks to, again, my wife has just, my wife, I heard it. Believe me, I heard it with you. My wife uh, has ingrained in me this whole thing about birth order. She's a big believer in birth order, you know, whether you're oldest, middle, youngest, only. There are certain traits that you can ascribe to yourself, and as a result of her, I now think about it all the time. And I think about being an only child and how yes, it's fun to compete, but all you're really doing is trying to get better than who you against who you were yesterday. And that's a big deal. That's fun. If you can make incremental progress there, man, you're doing good work again. And Orange Theory is like that because my pace on the treadmill is going up. The weights that I'm using on the floor are going up. I still I don't know how to gauge my performance on the rower. How does anyone gauge their performance on the rower? Yes, I know split times, and they do whatever the hell they are. Um, benchmark challenges. I get all that. That's fine. But on a day-to-day basis, I have no idea how I'm doing on the rower. And any of you who've gone to Orange Theory, I'll bet you can relate to this too. Treadmill? Yep. You see it. Makes sense. You get it. Floor? lifting weights? Makes sense. You get it. Rower? I don't know. I'm just kind of waiting till it's over. <laughs> and I say that as someone who finished third in my age group uh, in the whatever it is, like the 200-meter row. Like I did great at that. And I was really proud to see my name on that list. What a cool thing. But overall it's a race against myself and that's fun. That's cool. So I don't know, man, I'm getting antsy. And I think when you take all this together, what jobs do I want to do? What jobs do I not want to do? Uh, where are we in terms of society? How do we talk to each other? How do we relate to each other? And thinking about orange theory, mostly I'm just itchy for a change in energy. And that's what I've been looking for. And I mean that on a cultural level. I wish that we could disagree with each other in ways that didn't feel so severe or perhaps more appropriately That there weren't so many people trying to profit off of our tribalism. And by that, I mean, largely, people in positions of power that control the levers of power. Now, granted, that sounds like I'm being conspiracy theorist here. But what I mean is whether you're Republican, Democrat, liberal, conservative, whatever. It seems like there's a way that we can negotiate with each other and we can all kind of get what we want, at least to an extent. It doesn't have to be a zero-sum game. And I think back to my conversation with Josh Penry about the future of the Republican Party. It used to be that you cut deals and everyone kind of got half a loaf. You know, no one was thrilled with the final deal, but no one was terribly pissed off about it. Now, it doesn't seem like it's enough to just win. You need to defeat, stomp on, and humiliate the other side. And man, that just ain't right. Like That's no way to run a railroad. And again, in the words of George Costanza, we're trying to have a society here. And I think when I talk about the work that I want to do, when I talk about where we are with vaccines and whether or not this election was stolen. It wasn't. And competing against ourselves and not others. I don't know, man, I'm just trying to land the plane here. I didn't plan on even attempting to tie all this together, but at some point it started to make sense in my head. And that seems to be the theme. Can we all be better than we were yesterday? Can we talk to each other? Disagree? And then part ways, remain friends. Now, I will say, now I'm not trying to equivocate here or let certain people off the hook. If your belief is that a certain subset of people are not fully people, then no, you don't need to accommodate them. We don't need to part as friends. If that is part of their ideology, fuck them. No, you don't need to do that. But all other things being equal we can disagree on a policy, we can disagree on an approach, and we can still be okay with each other. That's my hope anyway. I don't know. It's a solo episode. I'm really kind of flying blind here. When we do mailbag the next time, if you enjoy this, send me a question. It can be a hypothetical. It can be something about the show. It can be something about my life. It can be just something completely insane. I don't really care, but I'm interested in engaging with you. So email address is john at deftcom.us, that's J-O-N at D-E-F-T-C-O-M dot U-S. Or you can hit me up on the socials, that's J-O-A-T pod across platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest, and Instagram. Um, be funny if you hit me up on Snapchat since I'm never on there and I don't know anyone who is anymore anyway. But whatever, those are the handles. So I'll close with this. If you're worried about getting the vaccine, okay. I accept that. And you can be hesitant about it. But think about why. And think about how you arrived at that conclusion. For some folks, that's totally legitimate. For others, I think you've been sold a bill of goods. And if you want to talk about it, hit me up. I'm happy to do it. Because the sooner more of us get vaccinated, the sooner we can put all this shit behind us. I am so ready to not wear a mask wherever I go. I am so ready to have full capacity of things. I want to go see some live fucking music. I may not want to be the festival guy for a living, but Friday nights, Saturday nights, even weeknights, I'm getting old, I want to go see a concert. And I want you to come with me. So, it's my last little PSA here. I hope you got something out of this. And if you want to connect with me for any reason, there are a bunch of ways to do that. John at defcom.us. Hit me up on the socials, J-O-A-T pod. And you know what? Let's play the outro. The John of All Trades podcast is a production of Deft Communications. Check out Deft on the web, D-E-F-T-C-O-M.us. I do all manner of traditional PR. So that's media relations, copywriting, coalition building, strategic outreach. If you need strategy for any of these things, I'm good at that. I also do podcasting. In addition to this show, I produce three others. They're all phenomenal. I love the work that I do. If you have an idea for a podcast, I can help you conceptualize it, and I can help you get it off the ground. And if you want me to produce it, hey, I'll do that. I'll make sure it sounds like a million bucks on the pro d e f t c o m dot u s. Our sponsor is Four Degrees, the number four d e g r e dot e s. Anything you're doing online, Four Degrees can help you do it better. Building a website, social media marketing, online advertising trying to reach people in their inboxes. If you want to do an email campaign, they're good at that too. No matter what it is, 4 Degrees has you covered. Number 4, D-E-G-R-E E-S. If you're listening on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or anywhere else, leave us a rating, leave us a review. Hit that subscribe button. Brand new episodes will come directly to you. New episodes drop on Wednesdays. Exclusive episode previews are up on Mondays. Facebook. Page. All right, that'll do it for this week. Thank you for listening. I've got a couple of dynamite guests coming up next week, and I got a full slate coming up after that. So, back to normal episodes. Thought I'd check in with you briefly. Hope you enjoyed it. Wherever you are, hope you're staying safe, hope you're staying sane, hope you're staying healthy. Can't wait to see you in real life. And until I hear you again. Say goodnight, crazy.